of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. I've removed one expression because it's a repeat. It actually says, take heed and beware. I don't know the difference. Maybe you know. It's a tautology. It's a repeat. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So, I don't know what I'm going to do because I meant to teach part one this morning and part two in the afternoon. But let's see if we can combine and, combine and add part two this morning as the Lord leads us. Our main reading is in Matthew chapter 16. That's Matthew chapter 16. And we are going to read from verse 1 to verse 12. That's Matthew 16, verse 1 to verse 12. Then the Pharisees and the Sadducees came, and testing him, asked that he would show them a sign from heaven. He answered and said to them, when it is evening, you said, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red. And threatening. Hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. And no sign shall be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. And he left them and departed. Verse 5. Now when his disciples had come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said to them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, is it because we have, we have taken no bread? But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, O you of little faith, why do you reason among yourselves because you have brought no bread? Verse 9. Do you not yet understand or remember the five loaves of, of the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up? Nor the seven loaves of the four thousand and how many large baskets you took up. How is it you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread, but to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Verse 12. Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and Sadducees. I'm reading verse 12 again. Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. In the context of this discourse, from verse 1, the Pharisees and the Sadducees ask for a sign from heaven. In his answer, the Lord added two more expressions, the face of the sky and the signs of the times. 
The face of the sky speaks of physical, visible, and temporal things, while the signs of, time, of the times are discerned spiritually and pertain to eternal things. In verse 3, the fact that the Lord referred to these groups of people as hypocrites has led many people to think that their teaching was similar. I mean, people have come to believe, to think that the teaching of the Pharisees and the teaching of the Sadducees were similar, were the same, because the Lord called all of them hypocrites. In the context, the expression red sky refers to both darkness and wickedness. The Bible speaks of threatening weather, threatening weather. The real problem is the fact that people cannot see the red sky of increasing wickedness and lawlessness. Can't you see the worldwide spread, spreading of violence and immorality? You know what such spiritual condition means and God's call to repentance. So the Lord is telling them that you know how to discern how to tell the weather from observing the state of the sky, but you can't discern the signs of the time. And then he says, hypocrites. I wondered myself, why hypocrites? What have they done? Well, they had scriptures. They knew that the truth was standing right in front of them. They had the scriptures. They know that. They had distorted willfully scriptures you remember um, the commandment of uh, for instance the commandment of uh, obeying parents looking after parents that commandment in the sight of the lord was so serious that i learned that some people were punished capital punishment if you had said something wrong about your parents if you had insulted your parents it was something really serious in the sight of God. In fact, in the same way our parents looked after us when we were children, younger, we are commanded, we are required by God to do the same for them when they grow older. To do exactly the same. The Pharisees, for instance, had that law, but they had the change, do you remember? They told people that if you have means, resources, with which you can look after your parents, well, you need to put priority to giving it to the temple for God. All you needed to say is just to declare, Corban, not Corbin, Corban, that's all. So you have money. You have things to look after your parent, and you just shout in the air, Corban is for God, and then you inject, you invest in your business. They accept that situation. The Lord said, hypocrite. You are hypocrites. And many more things. They begin to mix up and even replace the word of God with traditions of men. Hypocrites. 
The word hypocrite is very difficult to define. Even from the Greek itself, it's very, very difficult. Hypocrite. I was thinking this morning about uh, the hippo, hippo one. Uh, in French, we have the expression uh, hypotension. What's that in English? Hypotension. Okay, okay. Hypotension. That's low blood pressure. Is that right? Okay. So it's almost the same, the beginning. Hypo, hippo. You can begin to see the expression. Hypo, hippo, under, down. So that's where hypocrites come from. Behaving under. Behaving underneath. It is stage playing of a role. It's living a life of an actor. It's acting. It's stage playing that hypocrite. This word is composed of two words. The first part, hippo, means underneath, below, inferior condition or position. And then crino, which, which refer to, is a very complex definition. It refers to a series of actions. Do you understand? So when you put them together, it means acting underneath. Very, very complicated expression. That's hypocrite. Personally, take it from me, I define hypocrisy, uh, hypocrisy as a contradiction between appearances and the reality in the heart. It's that contradiction. The Lord speaks of whitewashed tomb, which are full of men's rotten bones, but it's whitened from outside. That's the idea. The reality inside and the appearance outside are in complete contradiction. Remember we're talking about the, the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The biblical teaching of leaven is about removing and staying away from hypocrisy. Lies, wickedness, deception, seduction, and traditions of men that entertain spiritual confusion and chaos amongst God's people. God is a God of order. We should avoid mixing the word of God with any strange doctrine or demonically inspired human philosophies. In the Old Testament, the leaven was to be put away out of houses and we are commanded to purge out the old leaven in the New Testament. In 1 Peter 2.1, we are called to lay aside all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, and all evil speaking, but to desire the pure milk of the word of God. 
A Christian must be truthful and trans completely transparent. The Bible says, let, let your yes be yes and your no, no. That's in Matthew 5, 37. A Christian does not delight in half truth, white lies, and confusing speech that always suggest a lack of commitment. You know, some people never say yes or no. They say always, I guess so. So you don't know whether I guess so is a, is a positive or negative. You don't know. I guess so. Lack of commitment. Confused language. The Bible says our yes should be yes, our no should be no. Are you well today? I guess so. Are you happy with the gift? I guess so. To the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the Lord say that the only sign from heaven they needed to see and believe in was the sign of the prophet Jonah, which is his death and resurrection. In fact, in Matthew 12, 40, 40, the Lord said, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of, the, of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. We also have prophecies such as Daniel chapter 12, verse 2, which speak of the resurrection of the righteous and the wicked, the former for everlasting life and the latter for shame and everlasting contempt. So they had all that. So the Lord says, that's the only sign you need. In fact, he's telling them that here is the embodiment, the fulfillment of everything spoken to about in the Bible. You don't need any other sign. You need me. Well, not me, Guy. I'm talking about the Lord. Both the Pharisees and the Sadducees were blinded by a carnal mind, and they could not discern God's purpose. Their real problem was a sustained state of heart which contradicted the outward form of godliness and religiosity. That is hypocrisy. Remember what the Bible says? One of the features of the end time, people will display a form of godliness but will deny its power. What does the Bible say? Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in flesh. Can you begin to see the link? By denying the power of godliness, that is Jesus Christ's death and resurrection, we are left merely with appearances, hypocrisy. Verse 6, take care and beware of the living of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The word beware 
appears for the first time in the New Testament in Matthew 7, verse 15, as a warning against false prophets. The expressions take care, the expression take heed and beware are used 39 times in the New Testament, but only twice these expressions are used together. Take heed and beware. They are used together as a serious warning against the living of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. That's the only time when they are used together as a form of tautology, a repeat idea to strengthen an important truth that requires special care, attention, and consideration. Take care of yourself and beware. In Mark chapter 8, verse 15, the Lord charged the disciples, saying, listen carefully, take heed and beware of the living the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod, third one. Now we have the leaven of the Pharisees, the leaven of the Sadducees, and the leaven of Herod. So we have the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy, religiosity, and traditions of men. The leaven of the Sadducees, hypocrisy, religiosity, and carnality, human reasoning. The leaven of Herod, you have perfidy, deceitfulness, and wickedness. Remember how he sent people, Herod, I meant, to go and find out where the baby Jesus was? And he said, when you find, come and tell me so that I will go and worship as well. But the Lord revealed to those people that, no, 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 don't go back the other way. He seeks to kill the baby. That's the leaven of wickedness. That's the leaven of deceitfulness. That's the leaven of Herod. And most of the time, that is used. by some forms of political authority against the church. Remember how Herod did that? Herod called the people who are supposed to know scripture, the scribe, the religious people, and asked them to tell him, according to the scripture, where was the Messiah ought to be born. Do you understand? So he's calling the leaders, the religious leaders of that time, in order to extract information, religious information, that he will use against the church. We are infiltrated. It doesn't matter how highly respected and Honorable people might be with big title, right, honorable, etc. You, you name it. But those are the people who are being listened to by the government because they are supposed to know more than us. So when they advise the government, the government does not understand 
why sometimes we are happy, we are unhappy. Because they say, but we've listened to the experts. The level of Herod. In the context of both Matthew and Matthew 16 and Mark 8, the situation is a situation of lack of bread and lack of faith. The Lord marveled, he asked them, don't you remember what I did before? But the, 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 the context of this, the event there is a context of lack of bread. There is no enough bread. That way the Lord is using that physical situation to teach something higher, something spirit, highly spiritual. Dear brethren, in a context of lack of faith and lack of bread, which represent the word of God, what would happen? People start fabricating things now. They start importing doctrine to make things work. There was no bread. The Lord shifted from physical bread to spiritual deception and doctrine to explain that. It is because people lack the needful spiritually and even physically that they become open to every sort of strange fire and deception. Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, the Sadducees, Herod, and generally leaven. The Lord uses that context to warn the disciple of the risk of consuming external agents that corrupt the world. You see, uh, leaven, yeast, corrupts the substance, can change the color, can uh, raise it artificially, not naturally, can do all sorts of corruption. In the Bible, leaven is always referred to as a type of evil, always. The leaven in the Bible is a consistent type of evil, potentially spreading slowly and quietly while affecting everything it touches. When you put yeast in the dough, you're doing that, you have to leave it quietly to do its work. You don't need to shake the thing. You just need to leave it so that it can do the work. That's the way deception and seduction work. Very slowly, quietly, but effectively. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tomb, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Matthew 23, verse 27. Hypocrisy is dissimulation. It is concealment of one's real thoughts, feeling, or character. I've already said that it's stage playing, etc. 
Hypocrisy is motivated by what? Self-seeking. Self-raising. Just like leaven. In order to become haughty for self-exaltation and being exalted above measure. I remember there is a brand in Tesco, actually, of, uh, of yeast called Self-Rising, is it? Oh, yeah, it makes sense. Self? Yes. That's what it is. So the idea of hypocrisy is to give a very fake idea of us because we want to achieve something. That's what it is. I remember, I don't know the word in English, but uh, in French is uh, phylactère. Phylactère is in the Bible. I didn't check that out in English. Phylactère was what? You see, the Pharisees, they had a, a kind of ruban or something that then went down, fall on their back there. And on that band, they wrote the sins that they had been forgiven. On appelle ça le phylactère. It's called phylactery. What's it? Phylactery? That's what it is. Can you believe the level of self-rising themselves to show everybody I'm righteous, I've been forgiven? That's how bad it was. So, hypocrisy can only be unmasked where truth triumphs. But hypocrites work very hard to always suppress the truth. This is not you. The next sentence is for the Pharisees. And you will understand why. Hypocrite wear a mask. <laughs> you get it. It's not you. <laughs> we wear the mask because of COVID-19. <laughs> they wear a mask because their outward appearance is utterly different from what actually is happening inwardly. And they have to do that all their life. So their life, the whole life, is actually stage play. The whole life. We are not called to be like that. Husband and wives, people at work, colleagues, fellow brethren. No. We are called to be real and truthful and tra completely transparent. We can't live all life in hypocrisy. No. No. <clears throat> So, the disciples were now able to see that the Lord referred to false doctrines that are like leaven in that. One, leaven look at first, I mean, heresy, false doctrine, strange fire, they look at first negligible and insignificant in appearance. 
They are injected into the souls and the words, and silently, and they are very difficult to detect. They act gradually. They act most certainly. They will pervade all the soul and bring the discerning ability under control. That's the target. Remove any fight, any possibility of discernment in order to make a broader way for deception. In Matthew 16, verse 12, the Lord reveals that he was actually referring to the doctrine. Doctrine. You see, it's no longer just an attitude of heart. Now it is erected as a doctrine. What do you do with a doctrine? What is a doctrine? A teaching. What do you do with a teaching? You teach other people. You explain. You comfort your position. You try to back up with evidence. It's no longer just an attitude now. It's a doctrine. That's very serious. A doctrine to do what? To corrupt the biblical faith, to bring to increase and entertain confusion amongst the people of God. Take heed and beware. I've already said that is a tautology, that's a repeat word in order to strengthen a truth. I say that when there is no bread and the authentic word of God becomes rare, then we need to increase vigilance and awareness against strange fire and false doctrine. We see what is happening around us and it goes unchecked. Lies, deception, false teaching is there. People are not ashamed to teach falsehoods, to open the Bible and to say the opposite of what the Bible says. People are not ashamed of that. We need to discern things spiritually and not carnally and fleshly. The disciples were thinking about physical bread whilst the Lord was teaching spiritual truth. It is a spirituality versus carnality. It is Abraham versus Lot. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 12 to 14, we read this. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words, which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. We are called to become spiritual by the word of God, by the transformation of the Holy Spirit and the renewing of the same. 
in order to be able to discern the will of God, the signs of time. Okay. So that is the introduction. Why am I saying that? Because it's fair that in the afternoon they will hear the same. Now the difference is between the two parts here, very briefly. You've heard what I had to say. I'm completing with part one. So what is the leaven of the Pharisees? That's part one. It's fair to say that I think we've completed already. How is it that you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread, but to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Verse 12. Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of the bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The Pharisees were masters of masquerades, masters of concealment. The leaven of the Pharisees was mainly hypocrisy, as we've said, but also included rituals, self-righteousness, the mixing of traditions of men with the word of God. I've mentioned to you the commandments to honor your father and your mother, how they had twisted and changed that. Remember uh, the story of the woman caught in adultery, how they were challenged by the Lord because they changed everything. Now, let's read one or two more verses from Luke chapter 12, please. Luke chapter 12. And we read the first and second verses. Luke chapter 12. In the meantime, when an innumerable multitude of people had gathered together, so that they trampled one another, he began to say to his disciples, first of all, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be known. You see, the second verse is actually the reverse of hypocrisy. Everything when confronted to the truth of God, will be revealed. The Lord was actually revealing the state of their hearts. They were full of hatred and murder. All they wanted was to trap and to kill the Lord because he exposed the reality of the state of their heart. So what's the Lord saying in verse 1 here? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. There you are. It's no longer just an attitude of heart, but now it is a doctrine. A doctrine. Forgive me for a small digression. When it comes to the matter of biblical truth, 
there are a lot of controversies. Rather than letting the Bible speak for itself and defend itself, usually people go into books. Sometimes they go back to the those who are known as apostolic fathers. And they say, this is what Tertullius said, this is what Jerome said. Not you, Jerome. He's a theologian. This is what Joseph, this is what that one says. Well, just because they were closer to the birth of the church, to the death and resurrection of the Lord, doesn't mean everything they wrote was right. And I'm going to prove you. In the days of the Apostle Paul already, false teachers had already introduced themselves to pervert and confuse the believers in, 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 in the church of Galatians and many other churches already. So just because someone was a, a contemporary of Paul doesn't mean what they're writing is true. Because even in those days already, they were perverting the gospel already. Remember the definition of hypocrisy? Actions performed underneath in a concealed way. A contradiction between appearances and the reality of hearts. Playing a role of an assumed character. However, there is nothing that will not be revealed because the Lord has piercing eyes. And all things are uncovered before him. As followers of Jesus Christ, and regardless of our background and other social considerations, we are called to be truthful and transparent before God and before our fellow human beings. We don't say, that's how I am. That's how it works in my society. No. We are called to be truthful and transparent. We are called to let the Holy Spirit transform us into more Christ-likeness. Not to remain stagnant there, like a signpost indicating where seed cup is, but it never moves. We are called to move with the Lord and to let him have his own way because he is the potter and we are the clay. Remember, the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The heart. 1 Samuel 16, 7. We are called to keep ourselves from the leaven of the Pharisees, but also from all kind of leaven, such as hypocrisy, lies, malice, wickedness, because a little leaven leavens the whole lump. A bit of leaven will corrupt everything. If it's not discerned and removed, it has a potential, just a little bit, to corrupt ourselves, our household, the church, and the nation. Therefore, let us purge out the old leaven that we may live as truly new creation that are truly unleavened, 
For indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, the Bible says, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. That's the opposite of leaven. Sincerity and truth. 1 Corinthians 5, 7 to 8. Now, praise the Lord, we can't squeeze in. It's not 12 yet. So what is the leaven of the Sadducees now? In Acts chapter 4, verse 33, it says this. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. The number of men and women who believed in the Lord increased daily. The message of the gospel was straightforward. Witness to the resurrection and call to repentance and to believe in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. Straightforward. In Acts chapter 5, Verse 17 to 18, we read this. Then the high priest rose up, rose up, and all those who were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with indignation and led and laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. So, that's the context. The Sadducees come into play now. They are around the high priest. And they forbid the disciples, the apostles, to preach in the name of Jesus. But what was the preaching about? It was a witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. They could not tolerate that. They will do whatever it took to suppress the truth of God. And I think they played a key role in bribing the guards at the tomb in exchange to a lie so that the God would say, spread falsehood by saying the disciples came and stole the body. You see the extent to which they were afraid of the news of resurrection. The doctrine of the Sadducees. Negation, denial, casting doubts on resurrection. Act 5, Acts chapter 5, verse 27 to 28. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. 
at Acts 5, verse 27 to 28. So the Sadducees were members of a religious sect, and they were very zealous in their belief. They vigorously opposed the gospel to be preached in the name of Jesus. So the focus for them is to suppress the truth of resurrection. I think it was uh, Linda, sorry to, for putting you on spots, who read a beautiful scripture this morning. If Christ did not rise from the dead, then we are the most pitiable, miserable people. And we are still in our sins. That's how serious it is. What is the doctrine of the Sadducees? The denial of the salvific truth of God. You see, you hear more about the death of Jesus Christ, but very little about his resurrection. Yet, in the baptism, we die with Christ and we are raised with him. Consequence, we are called to live in the newness of life. So resurrection is a triumph for our newness of life, for Christ living in us daily. What about the Holy Supper? Whenever we partake to the Holy Supper, we announce the death of Christ until he returns because he is risen. No resurrection, no salvation, no baptism, no newness of life. Two sides of the same coins, death and resurrection. So what was the problem? The gospel is about proclaiming God's salvation to everybody. That salvation is only possible because God's son, Jesus Christ, died and rose again. The Sadducees could tolerate anything else but this truth. The disciple in Act 5 refused to comply with an order forbidding them to preach the gospel in the name of Jesus. When, when corruption reached that point, then the apostle disobeyed. Because there wouldn't be the church without the preaching of the gospel. And the preaching of the gospel is all about Jesus Christ. God's plans for salvation, death and resurrection of Christ. The blessed hope of his return. Eternal punishment, eternal redemption. If we are forbidden to do that, then there is no choice than to disobey. Acts 23, verse 8. Acts 23, verse 8. For Sadducees say that there is no resurrection and no angel or spirit, but the Pharisees confess both. Remember what I told you? Because the Lord called both of them hypocrites, there is a potential to confuse their doctrine. It's not the same. The Pharisees have a different problem, and the Sadducees have a different problem. For the Sadducees, there is no resurrection. It's a problem. It's skepticism. They were the liberals of their times. 
I would say. We can now conclude that the leaven or the doctrine of the Sadducees is the negation or denial of the key feature of the saving gospel. That is resurrection of Christ and those who believe in him. His death and resurrection are two inseparable facts of the same reality, equally necessary to salvation offered to humankind. The leaven of the Sadducees was also rationalism. They were free, free thinkers in a negative way, a type of liberalism, I've said that already, who had built a system of doubts and systematic denials of the work of salvation. They vigorously denied the existence of angel and spirits. Doesn't the Bible say that God is a spirit? What were they defending? Why were they always with the high priest to do what? God is a spirit. They denied the existence of spirits. They denied the resurrection of the body. They denied the immortality of the soul. They denied eternal punishment. That is the leaven of skepticism. They denied the resurrection which is central to either establishing or disproving Christianity. Resurrection is vital because upon it, the Christian faith and its claim of truth either stands or falls. The biblical truth is based on historical events that are open to investigation. It's not just a blind faith. It's based on historical facts. Jesus Christ died and rose again. It's historical. Only this openness to critical investigation and verification explains the number of conversions of skeptics throughout history. Paul, C.S. Lewis, and many of them. Because Christianity is open to investigation. You can investigate. We're not lying anything. It's there you can investigate. Historical fact, archaeology, etc. Even from secular historians, you can investigate. The expression, look to yourself, or take heed, that was used for the first time, as I said, in Matthew 7, verse 15, as a warning against false prophets, is used for the last time in 2 John, verse 7 to 8, to warn against deceivers who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is also a denial of his physical death and resurrection. Some Christian cults teach that Christ rose only spiritually, while some non-Christian cults teach that Christ never died because he was too holy for that. They teach that he was substituted substitute by someone else. They deny that the Father has a son. And the Bible says that's the very spirit of the Antichrist. 
Can you begin to see the picture? So from a simple attitude of heart, we are called to take heed and to beware, not to fall, not to be trapped in unbelief and deny the Savior who saved us. And that will form a great strategy of the coming worldwide global apostasy which will prepare the world for the acceptance, accepting the coming of the son of perdition, the beast, the lawless one, the antichrist. So it's not a simple matter. We go from individual to global. That's what it is. The leaven of Herod, Pharisees and Sadducees. The denial, the suppressing of the truth of God. The Sadducees must have said that already. No need to repeat. The Bible says, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God, for pulling down stronghold, casting down argument, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. We need to fight with the sword of the Spirit, the doctrine of Christ, the holy doctrine, to fight false doctrine and strange fire. I'm concluding by reading for you this. From 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 12 to 14, our sister already read that in her prayer. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 12 to 14. Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witness of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he did not raise up. If in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruit of those who have fallen asleep. Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and of Herod. Amen. Let's pray. Loving Father, we want to bless you. Holy God, the sustainer of our lives, the owner of our lives, the savior of our lives, the Lord of our lives, and the Savior of the world. We thank you, Lord, for the saving gospel. 
We thank you, Lord, for having revealed your Son unto us. We thank you, Lord, for saving us, Lord. We want, Lord, to cling on to your truth by the assistance of the Holy Spirit. Help us, Lord, because you are able, willing, and ready to help us. Heavenly Father, you are the good, great, and perfect shepherd. And we can say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Help us, Lord. Keep us going, Lord. Open our hearts, our eyes and our hearts. Deliver us, Lord, from all these things, Lord. Transform us, Lord, in more likeness, more Christ-likeness, Lord, we pray. Help us, Lord, in our unbelief. Deliver us, Lord, from strange fire. Deliver us, Lord, from the attraction, from seduction, Lord, of ungodly things, Lord. Oh, may we, Lord, look up. May we look to you. May you help us, Lord, to run the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, who is both the author and the finisher of our faith. Oh, Lord, we pray that you transform us, Lord. You are the porter and we are the clay, Lord. Remove from us, Lord, any self-righteousness, Lord, any self-commendation, Lord, any filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit, Lord. Transform us, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, we pray. Bless us, Lord. We want to thank you, Lord, for this morning, Lord, for the way you've led us, Lord. Bless each and every one of us, Lord. As we depart home, Lord, we pray that, Lord, you keep us safe in your hands. That we will keep, Lord, these things into our heart, Lord. That the enemy will not come and snatch away these things, Lord Almighty God. Make us, Lord, to be that fertile soil unto your glory. We bless you, Lord God. Father, as we close this time, Lord, I want once again, Lord, to pray for those who feel unwell in their body in this place, Lord. We also commit Sister Helen unto your holy hand. Pray that, Lord, you will restore and strengthen, Lord, according to your abundant mercy, Lord, we pray. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and mercy. Sustain us, Lord, we pray, until you come back, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy and grace and faithfulness. This we ask in the name of Jesus Christ, our blessed Savior, Lord, and Redeemer. Amen. Thank you for your patience. Amen.